Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Alex Barcinez. Morning. Almost afternoon. How are we all? Who loves baptism services? I love seeing spontaneous baptisms, although at the same time we, we know people respond to the baptism uh, act of faith, lack of a better term, because they know that God has done something in their heart. And so that, that lady who got baptized at the end, she responded to the altar call only about two weeks ago. So congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. And I love how we're a church that isn't all about professionalism and kind of do things in a certain way, but we seek His presence. And so if someone is keen and is hungry, we, we will make room for that. Who knows, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were added and baptized on the same day. No email was sent out, no uh, instructions were sent. It's just like, you're a Christian, now let's get baptized. So we are a Pentecostal church. Who's proud of being Pentecostal? It's quite funny. When I was a brand new Christian in uh, 2003, I, I just never saw uh, this kind of world. I grew up as a Catholic boy, went to St. Bede's in Mentone, and uh, I knew about God, knew about religion, and, and uh, did it subjects and all that kind of thing, and just, was just exposed to the, to the Catholic uh, movement and the Catholic faith. And as a young Christian, I would get myself into the Christian channel, watch uh, speakers, Ray Comfort, Kirk Cameron, The Way of the Master, How to Witness, and all those things, and uh, his other famous TV show from back in the 80s too. But loving how the fact that it's all so relevant, I was asking the Holy Spirit, how long has this thing been going on for? Because why have I been so blinded to it and not seen it? And I sense in my heart, Holy Spirit said, it's been going on for about 100 years. And a few years later down the track, I went to Bible college, did Pentecostal history, and sure enough... 1905-1906, Azusa Street Revival, Holy Spirit was on point. My teachers say, it's been around for 100 years, son. So praise God that we are a Pentecostal church. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today, I am going to be speaking on God's plan, the church. That's you and I, the church, the body of Christ. And why it's so important that we love the church as Jesus laid down his own life, it says in Ephesians 5.25, for the church. He, Christ loves the church. He gave himself up for her. It says that in the word of God. And so as we turn to scripture this morning, let's open up Matthew 16 and 18. Matthew 16 and 18. And let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the beautiful hearts and lives that have given themselves to you, God, as an act of worship as a public declaration in front of their friends and family, their church family as well, that they love you so much, God, that they want to just show it to the world through baptism, Lord. So we just thank you, Lord, for new life. We thank you, Lord, for the word that's going to be preached today. Do whatever you want, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whatever you want, Jesus. So Matthew 16 and 18. Who's there? We there? And it says this, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, Peter meaning rock, on this rock, his name before was Simon, I will build my church, and the gates 
of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So, see, Jesus didn't just come to save the lost, but he came to build the church through Peter. On the day of Pentecost, we'll read that shortly. But not just to build the church and and do religious activities for the sake of it, but do it with Holy Ghost power. Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God expects us to build the church through heavenly keys, through heavenly power, heavenly wisdom. And so he says, whatever you bind on earth, you bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, you loose in heaven. Jesus expects us to walk in the authority and power as the church. You know that, but the fact that he says you will do these things, it gives us the authority to have faith and believe as Jesus prayed. Let it be done, your will, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we come across sicknesses, cancer, depression, anxiety, we have the authority and power to bind that here on earth and loose healing here on earth as it is in heaven. Because who knows there's no sickness, there's no cancer, there's no depression or anxiety in heaven. And on a personal note, I just want to thank you all for, uh, for those that know, especially the prayer team as well, who've been praying for my stepdad, uh, who's been for the last three months battling a pretty severe uh, lymphoma in both sides of his brain and spread across his abdomen. On Thursday, we got given the news as a family that he'll be transferred to palliative care, where basically he's been told he'll have... Not months, not weeks and months, but days and weeks of life remaining. And it hit us like a ton of bricks. And I love how I'm part of a church that just loves so well and would would stand in the gap and and pray with me for his healing. So I just want to thank you all that have been praying. And um, I I saw Dad, would always just call him Peter growing up for the last 27 years he's been in my life because my, my dad, real dad is around too. But I always kind of felt guilty for calling him dad. So we called him by his first name. Never said I love you until hospital. Uh, he was admitted to hospital three months ago. And I uh, thought, life's too short. So I call him dad now. I tell him I love him. He knows that. But we just never really expressed it to one another. And the good news is, whatever happens at this point, Peter, my dad, received the gospel. He has received Jesus. Because who knows, the greatest miracle of all is not physical healing, but it's a transformed heart towards God. It's one heart that says, yes, I accept what you've done on the cross for my sins and my mistakes. Jesus, when he went to his hometown, it says a prophet is without honor in his own land. And so he couldn't do much except heal a few sick people, inferring the greatest miracle of all is not healing the sick, but it's winning people to the Lord. And so whatever happens at this point with, with Dad, I know he's in a good place. At the same time, we're believing, we're praying, we're still fasting for his healing. I had a dream about him the other morning as well and shared with him yesterday that I saw him back at home with the grandkids and uh, life was extended. So we're believing and praying. So thank you so much for your prayers. 
It really does mean a lot to my family and myself as well. And the power of hell and, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against, it, against the church. You know, it, it's so easy to kind of look and, and listen to the media and say that we have the smallest voice, we aren't significant. That's what they try and, and say, right? But if we look at also the persecuted uh, churches in the Middle East, in these nations where they, they suffer quite a bit for just holding on to a faith in God, it's almost easy to think that we're on the losing side. It, it's a false lie. Because if you look at the stats, the biggest practice religion in the world is actually Christianity. There's 2.4 billion Christians in the world. The next biggest faith is the Muslims, and they're at 1.8 billion. And even here locally in our country, the last census taken up in 2016... 52% of Australians are actually Christians. 30% hold to no religion. And what's even more interesting is, between the 2011 census and 2016 census, there was a sharp decline in atheism. Do you want to know the numbers? 45% decline in atheism between 2011 and 2016 and a 48% increase in people holding no religion. So that tells me people no longer accept the lie that we're all just an accident, we came from just nowhere, it was just all a big bang, and here we are. People are realizing there's got to be more to it than that. I've swallowed a, a pill or a prescribed truth that perhaps doesn't line up with common sense, right? And so this tells me as well, and we see this as we hit the streets, as we talk to people about God, that they're in the no religion camp, but they're searching, they're looking, they know there's something more. And that's why we say the harvest is ripe, the harvest is easy. And I love how John Boy's paved the way for the outreach team, now Steve's picked it up, and we're out there each and every week, winning people to God, winning pe lost people to Him. And I sense that as good as we are in outreach, there's another side that God wanted to highlight today, and that's the church. That God has called us to make disciples of all nations. And we see that in Matthew 28. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, not John Boy's Malaysian cousin, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. I'm with you always, even to the end of age. Make disciples of all nations. That's why we have a heart for the nations, for Philippines. Gabe and Charity are missions directors for Nicaragua and other nations. I know God's going to bring us to unreached people, especially in the Philippines. I've got a heart for the Muslims in the Philippines. They're, they're a pretty rowdy, uh, dangerous bunch, but um, I, I know God has a heart for them. So even if uh, we have to sacrifice a little to bring the truth, why not? You know, the, the biggest uh, Christian population in, in the Middle East is uh, Egypt, and you've heard the news with all the bombings and things like that over history. 
Just recently, 4th of July, mum's birthday, the government in Egypt legalized 127 churches. In Iran, where there's unprecedented uh, persecutions towards Christians, they are one of the rapid or fastest growing Christians converting from Islam to Christianity. But why is that? Why, why are people so willing to just take a hit for their faith? And it reminds me as well with uh, this speaker, Cy Rogers, who I talked about in the Young Adults meeting, who has been walking with the Lord now for 40 years, was previously homosexual, was very close to having a sex change. Uh, if in this day and age, you'd see him at the front foot for the LBGTQI plus community. It's hard to keep track. Um, and he'd be one of those guys that would just be hating on Christians. But for 40 years, walking with the Lord, and he said, I could have chosen the path of Buddhism. I could have chosen the path of being a famous atheist. But why did I become a Christian that's so against the grain, so against culture, so against everything that my friends and family, especially the, the gay community, hated about? It's because... I had an encounter with the living God, and I can't deny His truth, His love, and His mercy. So He suffered many persecutions, but 40 years on, what a testament, planted in the house of the Lord, equipping the body of Christ. That's the power of the church. Heaven's power, hell's gates will not prevail. The church is the bride of Christ. I said it before in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Christ, where are we? Christ loves the church. He gave himself up for her. But then also, that he might also sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. We gather together to hear the Word of God so that He continually works on us to sanctify us, meaning to separate us and, and call us holy, where to be in the world but not of it, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. That He might present to her a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. You know, the church is actually God's ordained vehicle to bring the, His kingdom on earth, that He uses the fellowship of the flawed to bring about His will and His purposes. We're not perfect by any means, but we are saved, we are sanctified, and we, we pursue God and His holiness and His righteousness. And through that, as flawed as we are as humans, we're not perfect by any means, God says, I will entrust you to bring my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So he comes to establish communities. And we see this in amongst the early church. At the end of the Gospels, we find that the, the apostles were running scared from those who had crucified Jesus, from the Roman soldiers that were out in hiding but then from that point to now starting the church, what made the difference? And we see, by the way, 
that when Jesus had risen from the dead, who attended to him? It wasn't the men or the apostles, but it was the women. It was the women who came to attend to his body. The guards had left out of fear of the angel. They told their authorities, and the authorities said, just say that the disciples came and rolled a stone away and took the body out. And the Bible actually says, if you want to read it, that's what they say even to this day. That lie that they try and tell. That lie that the modern uh, media world tries to tell about Christianity, how it's weak, how it's declining. In fact, it's growing even more. And so we see the women of the house. We see the women rising up. Who was entrusted with the first gospel message to say that Jesus has risen from the dead? It was the women. If you're a woman in the house, why don't you clap your hands, pat your back. If you're a man in the house, give her a high five and say, you are cold, you are powerful, and you are entrusted with the gospel. So don't tell, don't listen to the lie that Christianity isn't for women, that you guys are second-class citizens, far from the truth. There was prophetess, there was powerful women in the body of, in the, in the Bible, Deborah, an awesome queen or ruler for Israel. Then we see that Jesus appeared to the disciples, and he worked on them. And he said, wait for the Holy Spirit, wait for the promise to come. We, we see that they were in the upper room. The Bible talks about 120 Galileans together in one place, in one accord, in unity, and in prayer. And speaking of prayer, I love how Tony Hagen and Chris Farrow, the leaders of our prayer intercessory team, have actually asked that we hold a fortnightly prayer meeting here on a Tuesday night. I've already said yes. I think Dan's cool. I run most things past Dan. Some, some things just slip through the crack. I, I think we can, we can let the prayer meeting slip through the crack quite easily, yeah. <laughs> and who knows that the prayers of the righteous availeth much? In fact, Fon, if you're still here, can I, can I get you to raise your hand? Are you still here, Fon? One of, one of our um, Thai family members, her house got burgled on the 19th of June with uh, many things stolen, IDs, credit cards, and probably one of, one of the most important treasure things was their external hard drive where they had 10,000 photos of their uh, family over the years, and all that was taken. The, uh, the, the husband, Lee, uh, there was many things that this um, thief had done with his ID, uh, stolen identity to apply for different loans and whatnot, and Tony Hagen and the prayer team got onto it and prayed for things to be brought back pray for that person who stole those items to be caught. And sure enough, was it just this week? This week, police have found a stolen car with an external hard drive, went through all the photos and found uh, details of lead and passport, uh, boarding pass, and was able to return it back. So who knows the power of prayer availeth much. And we're going to pray for our city, for our nation, for our church family, for the lost, for mission trips, for many different things. Let my house be called a house of prayer. An international house of prayer, not just pancakes, prayer. 
with pancakes. That, that would be amazing. If you guys can sort that out, that would be great. The Dutch pancakes. And so God came to establish communities of his followers among every people group on the face of the earth, communities that would reach out to, uh, to others cross-culturally and share the good news of salvation. This is why we do missions. This is why we are the church, that it started out with 120 Galileans who only spoke their native language, who were uneducated, to now 2.4 billion people around the globe. And you know how the story goes. They were in one accord, in unity, in, in prayer. The Holy Spirit came, the promise of God, tongues of fire, baptized them. They started to speak in tongues of other languages. And pilgrims of the Jewish faith from other nations came and heard their native tongue. They said, who are these uneducated people speaking our language? That was a, a sign and evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that day... We'll pick it up in Acts 2, verse 40. Acts 2, verse 40. My Bible titles it, A Vital Church Grows. And theologians say this is the start and the birth of the church. And not just any kind of church. Let's read this. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. So again, there's no uh, instructions or emails sent. Just, you're saved, now get baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. Don't be too concerned if we grow, if we outgrow this place, if we're pouring out in the overflow. I think sometimes we can get comfortable and get that club mentality. But the church mentality is 3,000 were added on one day. It's God's heart to reach the lost. It's God's heart to bring the broken, the hurting, the ill, the sick to Him. And church brings community. Because where the community is, where there's community... God actually allows healing to take place. God allows for your strengthening to take place. God allows for your future to be seen. God allows for your identity to be shaped. Because your salvation is, is personal, but it's not individual. Who knows that? Your salvation is personal. He'll, he'll meet you where you are. But he hasn't called you to be a long-range Christian. I don't really see any great examples of that. In the New Testament. I mean, come, sp come speak to me if you have, and you're living by that theology. Let's have a great chat over coffee. But more often than not, it talks about the body of Christ. How in the body of Christ, there's pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, can I ask a question? Who's the saints? We are. Not just the St. Kilda Football Club, but who are the saints? We are. We are. And go Bombers, Juan. Am I right, Juan? Go Bombers. Oh, no, I've started something. I've started something. 
And I've lost my point. We are the saints. Thank you. Thank you. I was too caught up with the bombers. We are the saints. I know in uh, other expressions of Christianity, a saint is someone that's, uh, you know, put up on a pedestal and elevated because they've been martyred and whatnot, canonized. But you know what? The, the Bible actually speaks of saints as you and I, the believers of Christ. And so in the church body, God actually creates some sort of order as well. That the head of the church, it talks about it in Ephesians, is first Jesus. Then there's apostles, prophets, teachers, and so forth as well, right? For the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so the ministry is advancing his kingdom, sharing his truth and his life to the lost in places that we can't get to because uh, we can't get everywhere, right? So you work in a, in a corporate position or in the trade or you're in a classroom and you are the church for that lost group of people. You are the ambassador of Christ to bring hope, love, and truth. And what I love about our church and where we're heading is we're seeing a lot of people want to God. And I love how recently my, my Filipino brother, Kenneth, and your, your mate, his new, welcome. Kenneth shared with me at the altar here at the front a few months back uh, what, what brought him to church, what made him rededicate his life to God. And I uh, hope you don't mind me sharing this. It's not too much details anyway, but he was at Cheltenham Station a while back, two years ago, and the lady had a prophetic word to say, you're a prodigal son, you're lost, you need to come back to God. In fact, get involved in church again and look up Fire Church. He held on to that knowledge for two years, Googled us, and found himself at the feet of Jesus again. Praise God. Recently as well, we had um, someone come at the altar to almost similar experience three years ago. Someone had witnessed to him on the streets, gave a fire church card, held on to that for three years and then found himself here, giving his life, his life to God. So I love how God uses the seed. I love how we're powerful in evangelism. We're consistent. I've never come across a church that goes out so often, and I know it's not just on the Friday or Saturday alternating. I know it's every day. I know it's lifestyle evangelism. So I want to thank John Boy and Steve for modeling that, and, and Pastor Dan. Like we had we, a teppanyaki family dinner, and he, he was praying over the person over the counter. And I, I, I honor, honor pastors and leaders. I know all the, the hard yards that they go through. But I've, I've never come across one like Dan, one that actually will literally preach the good news, not just on a Sunday, but throughout the week as well. So we're, we're in great hands with these leaders and pastors. Let's honor them, give them a hand. Now, the word church is actually, has come from the Greek word ecclesia. Did I say that right, Marie? Ecclesia? Ecclesia. Our, our resident Greek, he corrected me in my pronunciation first service. Thank you. Ecclesia, is that right? Ecclesia, which basically just means a gathering, and specifically in our context, a gathering of God's people. And so it's not just a, a loose gathering as well. And there is order. It talks about that in Corinthians. 
but a gathering of God's people. And we saw that in Acts where they were continually, steadfastly, uh, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So we're just modeling what we know from the Bible, what we see, what the early church did, that they moved in the power of God, so many come who were lost to Him, and they continued in fellowship. They continued in community. Because who knows, we're not called to be individuals in this walk in God, but in community. And that's why it's such a passion for me to uh, announce that we're going to start more communities for our new believers. We've got a new believers discipleship course starting towards the end of August. We're building the team now. We're recruiting for some uh, pastoral care support there because I love winning people to the lost, but I also love discipling people. I love seeing people rise up in their calling God and running. How did Jesus start with disciples and three years later end up with apostles? It's through discipleship. It's through teaching them the Word of God, giving them foundations, getting them to act on their faith, because who knows, faith without works is dead. So we're going to see this church really become a discipleship machine, as well as an evangelist machine that we are. We're going to see more and more people disciple, and not just for new believers, but also for all communities. We've got house fire groups, we've got men's ministry, women's going to kick off again soon. We've got the kids' church, the youth, the young adults. If you're a young adult in the house, you like burgers, you're meeting up at Grilled, 1 p.m. today. Is it Grilled? No, Groove Train, sorry. You can still get a burger there if you want. But then also, the business community. If you are an entrepreneur, you have your own business, you work in the marketplace, you're a tradie, you aspire to have your own business, you're a student, you're interested in that area, and you know that God has called you in the marketplace to have influence, kingdom influence. Not just a Christian that works in a, in a corporate job, but a marketplace champion. We want to champion you in that. We want to form a community around you to bring people around you that will encourage you and understand you as well. The vision for that is that we love God, we love family, and we thrive in business. And in that order, not to sacrifice one over the other. And we can have it all. You can have the cake and more in God. I found that. Pancakes, if you prefer. So we want to be in community. We want to create communities where people feel a belonging, where they feel loved, where they can grow in their walk with God. So I love the church. I love the church. Psalm 92. I'm going to talk about planted people now. It says here, Psalm 92 verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He or she shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Can we uh, say that all together again? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And a fire folk where you are. They shall bear fruit in old age. I love fire folk, guys. Honestly, I... I know it's open to all ages, but it still has that attachment. But um, they shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. 
Tony, Mama Jude. I look up to these guys, Pop, Denny. They're planted in the house of the Lord. Even in their old age, they're still fresh and flourishing. You know, young spring chickens like us, we look to you guys. We, we look at your example. The 30, 40 plus years that you've been walking with God and still going strong, still winning people to Christ, still discipling. It's an inspiration. And that's because they've been planted in the house of the Lord. And you know, before I had any form of success in the corporate world, my, my previous work life, I found that as I planted myself in church, that's where I learned about responsibility, about leadership, about being bold, about taking a risk. And this is the beautiful picture of church, that we can create disciples, but it's not just disciples that bring the kingdom on the earth. It's people who represent His nature and His character, His excellence, His way of doing things. And guess who appreciates that? The world does. With all the corruption and lies and all that stuff going on, the world actually values men and women who are reliable, who are trustworthy, who will step up, who will be bold, who will take a risk, will have your back. That's, I learned that from church. I, I started as a usher, as a car park attendant, became a team leader, applied for a manager role at the same, uh, roughly around the same time. And I, I used that experience, I leveraged that experience from the church world in my interview to say, yes, I've had leadership experience in church, running a roster, running teams. And God would, I saw it happening. God would entrust me with more things in the church and then he would entrust me and bless me with more things in the corporate world. That's the picture of church. That those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. And so when things get tough, when the storms hit, you know, when you look at the, the root systems of the jungle, of jungle trees and forests, they don't just go deep, but they intertwine with one another. So when the heavy storms try and knock out whatever's in, in its way, they stay together. Those roots remain together. And that's a picture of the church. That's a picture of Christ dying for his bride. We're not perfect. But He's called us to love one another. He's called us to be in community with together and to grow and to seek and save that which was lost and to see them discipled and grow. So our church is in a pretty exciting season of creating more communities where we can see more and more people discipled, where we can see more and more of you guys finding your belonging and you're calling in God and being spurred and encouraged and doing all those great things God has asked us to do. Well, we can't do it as Lone Rangers. We've got to do it together. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.